Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Praise God. Well, I want to talk uh, briefly tonight. Uh, I said briefly. I don't know if I meant that or not. We'll see what happens. All right. Don't hold me to that. That was uh, off the cuff. So let's pretend that didn't say that just in case. Um, So there was a notable Baptist preacher named uh, Jerome Engel, and he started getting annoyed by an older gentleman who was falling asleep during his sermon several weeks in a row. And uh, he noticed that there was always a young boy that was with him. and uh, he always uh, was sitting right next to the guy. And so he spoke to the kid, and he said, who's that man that brings you to church? And the boy replied, that's my grandpa. So Engel said, uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a nickel if you can keep him awake through the sermon. So for a couple weeks, the older man stayed awake and attentive. Uh, he saw a few elbows flying, a few things like that. And then uh, a few weeks later, the man falls asleep again. And uh, Engel went to the kid and said, boy, what's happening? I thought I'm paying you a nickel to keep him awake. He said, yes, sir, you were, but uh, now he's paying me a dime to let him sleep. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. But before you get comfortable, I want to let you know the words of John Wesley. It's uh, said that when he would see some of his hearers falling asleep, he would just randomly scream fire in the middle of his sermon. Fire! Fire! People that were asleep woke up and cried, Where? And he replied, in hell, for those who sleep under the preaching of the word of God. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, it's not my words. That's John Wesley, so um, we can quote him, but um, let's try and stay awake, (laughs) just in case. Amen. All right, so there is a phrase, a phrase that has started uh, many a juicy gossip, a phrase that has caused division while it masqueraded as simply information, And this phrase has met many ears with the guise of innocence only to unleash a dragon of divisiveness. This phrase has oftentimes been uttered with every expectation that it will, in fact, be ignored. Um, You know, the things that you say that you just feel like you have to say, but you're expecting it to be ignored. What is the phrase? The phrase is just between me and you. Just, whoa, I got a few old boys in Oz already, so, whew, stay in that vein. How many times, how many times has this phrase been uttered to offer a false sense of privileged information? Just between me and you, but yet the person said that to 42 other people that same day. Um, Also, perhaps the saying may have been uttered uh, as some form of pseudo-confession without really confessing, as in, I really need to get this off my chest, but I don't want anyone to know, uh, anyone else to find out, or or anyone to know what's going on. So just between me and you, um, or... Now, I'm not going to say that the phrase is entirely bad. I've used it myself from time to time. And and I know, in fact, that there are some perfectly legitimate and even necessary times that the phrase might be used. And um, if something's being shared in confidence, um, just keep this between me and you or... um, the, the friendly cousin of just between me and you is the conversation doesn't leave this room, right? The conversation doesn't leave this room. And, and if we're all, uh, honest, a lot of times, that's just like the Pentecostal version of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. We just say this conversation doesn't leave this room, and then we're able to do or say or act however we want. No, well, yeah, 
Let's not pretend like we don't have our phrases, right? So I know uh, basically what we're saying is I know that I'm doing or saying or, or talking about something or someone that I probably shouldn't, so I'll say this is just between us or this conversation doesn't leave this room. And again, I'm not here to condemn a phrase tonight. I'm not here to cast stones or speak against gossip, but uh, we shouldn't gossip, but that's not the point. Um, no, tonight what I want to do is just simply call us to a somewhat of a spiritual awakening of a just-between-me-and-you attitude with God. A just-between-me-and-you attitude with God. I had what I would call a bit of a, a revelation moment um, earlier earlier this week, and, and it wasn't in a moment of like uh, intercessory prayer. It wasn't during daily devotion time. Um, and I'm not sure if you're supposed to admit stuff like this from the pulpit um, when you're the preacher, but it, it, it wasn't uh, in, in like deep moments of, of prayer and things like that, but it was actually right in the middle of while I was teaching a class. Um, I was teaching elements class on Wednesday night, and, and I didn't have notes for, for what was happening, and I didn't have it pre-planned, and I just I started to teach. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, man, I've never really even thought about it like this before. Uh, and so I want to share a little bit of that with us tonight and just kind of expound upon it a little bit. So if you were, were in the elements class on Wednesday night, you've got a little bit of a head start. Uh, and if you weren't, then you'll get a, a sliver of an insight of what goes on um, in the elements class. But I simply want to start by looking at a couple of scriptures, a couple of scriptures that could potentially be considered contradictory. Um, now, we hear and we learn about the word of God completely true. Do we believe that? Still valid today, do we believe that? All right, uh, infallible, right? Never changing, um, no errors, right? It's inerrant, the word of God. But every once in a while, do we see some scriptures that we're like, huh, that seems a little bit contradictory. So does the word of God contradict itself? No, absolutely not. So then it's up to us to make sure that we understand what's actually going on, understand what's being presented so that we're, we can be, uh, use the word to assure our faith in the word. Amen? Amen. So um, we're going to look at a couple of these scriptures tonight to show how these actually work together and to simply drive home a powerful point. We'll start in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that takes a dog by the ears. Saying getting into other people's business is akin to trying to grab a dog by the ears. And if you're a dog person, you know that they don't typically like that. It's not really the best idea. Not the right way to handle the situation. What's the phrase? Let sleeping dogs lie, right? Because if they're just asleep, they're not tearing anything up. They're not chewing the furniture. They're not peeing on the rug. They're not, nothing wrong is happening while they're asleep, right? And so you just let them lie, right? Let them, let them, let them be. And Proverbs is telling us that if you kind of start to just jump into things that aren't your business, get into ways that the things that aren't uh, what you're supposed to be involved in, that's a kind of akin to going and grabbing a dog by the ears and just run. You're asking for trouble by putting your hands into something that's not your business. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 10 through 12, it says, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren, which are all in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. 
Um, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 3, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. So in addition to these few scriptures that are essentially telling us, mind your own business, right? Kind of take care of your stuff, get yourself uh, accounted for. Uh, in addition to this, there's many other scriptures that, just for the sake of time, we're not going to read tonight, that, that discuss uh, concepts like busybodies and, and meddling and, and things like that to where you're just um, in everyone's business but your own, right? And, uh, and so we want to look at uh, the idea of, of minding our own business but then we have a whole host of scriptures on the flip side that tell us to, to go out, to be a witness, to preach the word, to share the gospel, right? Obviously, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, uh, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, ask the question, how can we mind our own business and teach and preach, and exhort, and reprove, and rebuke. How do we do that? But here's the revelation. Until we've got the just between me and you figured out with God, we aren't going to be able to effectively work, or minister, or teach with someone else. We're not going to be near as effective in those other things. If I don't have it worked out with me and God, if I haven't already addressed my salvation with the Lord, then how am I going to teach, or proclaim, or preach the word of God to someone else? How am I going to tell them, this is what you need to do, this is what the Lord says, this is what the word of God says, if I don't in fact know what the word of God says. And so we've got to make sure that we get the one so that we can proceed with the other. Amen? Amen. So we don't have a contradiction, but rather we've got words of encouragement that are telling us and reminding us that we need to make sure that we're okay before we try and go fix other problems. We're reminded of the parable where he says that you're worried about the twig in your brother's eye when you've got the moat or the log in your own, right? And sometimes we can lose our focus on ourselves because we're so busy worried about someone else. Now, uh, any of you that have kids may watch this play out on a day-to-day basis. Um, how many people's kids are actually just phenomenal at knowing all the rules when it applies to someone else? Right? If somebody else is doing something, then they know every single rule, every single detail. They know the punishment. They know what should happen. And if you ask them, they'll tell you exactly what their brother or sister should receive as a punishment. But when it's them, all of a sudden, I never knew that rule. I didn't know we had that. That doesn't exist. What do you mean I can't throw a baseball at the television? What do you mean I can't kick a window? What do you mean I can't? And uh, these are obviously hypothetical examples. This would never happen because, uh, you know, I, I, I and my wife were perfect parents and our children are perfect and never make mistakes. So this wouldn't be them that I'm talking about um, by any means. But surely you know know what I mean. When we're not worried uh, about, when we're worried about everybody else so much that, uh, that we kind of forget to, to mind our own business and make sure that we're taken care of. Now that phrase, mind your own business, business, ooh, started a word before I stopped another one. <laughs> Gets confusing up here. There's a lot going on. Uh, you don't want to know. Anyways, um, we, we get to the phrase, mind your own business. And a lot of times we just think like that, 
just means like stop worrying about me uh, and, and worry about yourself. But if you think about and break down the phrase, mind your own business, what, what we're really saying is you need to make sure that yourself is taken care of. Right? You need to make sure that, that your stuff is done before you try and worry about somebody else's stuff. You know, what good does it do me to work, uh, work tirelessly to get everybody else to heaven if I haven't got myself ready to go? Minding my own business. In other words, making sure that my business is taken care of, what I need to do. Or, or as Philippians said, to working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Making sure that I've got the me side of the equation right before I worry about the you side of the equation. It's simply, simply put, you can't teach what you don't know. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't proclaim with conviction something that you've never experienced or don't believe I couldn't stand up here and tell you why abortion should be legal because I don't believe it and I don't think that that's right. So I'd have a very difficult time trying to convince you of why it's right because there's no conviction here. But if you want to talk about the other side, I can talk about that for a while. If you want to talk about the Word of God, if you want to talk about doctrine, if you want to talk about Jesus' name baptism, if you want to talk about the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost, I can talk about those things with conviction. I can talk about those things with belief. I can talk about those things with firsthand knowledge because I've experienced it. I've watched it played out. It's what I believe. It's what I hold dear. It's what I live. And so I'm able to teach. I'm able to share. I'm able to give you the words that, that, that would apply to that because it's something that I hold tight to. So we have to make sure that we're aligning ourselves with God so that we can then become a reflection of him. It's got to be more than just our words, right? It's got to be more than just our words. Uh, I, I said the phrase, you can't teach something you don't know. Um, and you know, you might just throw your hand up and argue, well, Never mind, we'll stop. We'll move forward, move forward, moving on. Um, but you ever opened up a, a brand new game, board game, you open up a brand new game, and uh, you, so you don't know how to play it, so you have to read the directions, and you're trying to tell everybody else how to play a game that you've never played. It's, it's kind of a dicey situation. Um, you might get halfway through the first or second time and realize that you're doing it completely wrong. That may or may not have happened to me over the Christmas holidays. Um, but it, it just goes to prove the point that you can't teach something that you don't know. You can try, and you can try, and, you know, if, if, if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's very difficult to sit somebody down and point to the book of Acts and point to the times that people were filled with the Spirit and that they began to speak in other tongues. And if you've never seen it happen and you've never experienced it yourself, it's very difficult to try and legitimize something that you don't know or don't have any frame of reference for. But if it's something that you've lived and something that you've watched and something that you've seen, something you've experienced for yourself, nobody can take that away from you. And it's something that you're much more able to teach. So it's got to be more than just words that we say when we're reflecting Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 warns us of this. It says, This people draws nigh to me with their mouths and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. If our heart is not right with Jesus Christ, if we're not pursuing Jesus Christ with our heart, then what's coming out of our mouth, our words ultimately don't matter. They don't have any weight. There's no conviction behind them, so we're not able to, to share. We're not able to teach, to reprove, to exhort, to rebuke. We're not able to do those things because it's just service with the mouth. It's just lip service. We're not, our heart is not where it needs to be. 
So in class Wednesday night, we were talking about holiness and about being separated unto Christ. And as we were going through the material, we came across a simple analogy of a mirror. So if we're called to show Jesus, to reflect him, to share his light, we've got to understand how that works. We've got to understand how that works. So if we're familiar with um, the moon, and this is the analogy that we use, the moon, the moon, it doesn't have any light of its own, right? The moon doesn't emit light. If that blew your mind, uh, you're welcome, and I'm essentially a science professor at this point. Um, but if you already knew that, like most of you should, uh, the moon simply reflects the light of the sun. And so that's why at different times, it'll appear smaller, it'll appear larger, it'll larger and smaller, <laughs> it'll appear differently based on the way that the, the light of the sun is hitting it. Is, determines how it can reflect it to us. And then obviously our sight lines to it and everything like that, that's way too deep and I don't want to go there. But the moon is simply a reflection. So when we have a full moon, a bright moon, the big, um, you guys remember the blood moon thing that we had just a while ago? You have to be positioned correctly in order to reflect correctly. So we as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to be positioned correctly with Christ in order to reflect him correctly. So when I'm, oh, I have a walk with God, I have an experience with him, I've got a lifestyle that, that, that is a borderline with Jesus, right? And I'm kind of hanging on the edge and sitting on the outskirts and I'm just, I'm trying to let my light shine, but the source of the light is all the way over here and I'm on the other side then I'm just got like the little sliver moon that's kind of hanging out there. Like I'm trying, but I don't have enough access. I'm not close enough to the source. I'm not close enough to God to be able to properly reflect him. But then as things move and as things shift and align, just like the moon, and we want to see that full moon, that's when we're in direct alignment with the sun, with the sun, and we're able to show forth the light of Jesus Christ. It's not our own light. It's the light of Jesus Christ showing through us. So we're reflecting him. Think about a mirror. A mirror doesn't produce its own images. That would be freaky. <laughs> a mirror doesn't produce its own images. But when you step in front of a mirror, you see yourself as you are. You see what's in front of the mirror. Now, if I were to take a mirror, I thought about bringing a mirror, but then it'd just get distracting and it'd probably go way longer than I meant to. But if you, get, if you take a mirror and I hold it up to Brother Brom, he's going to see Brother Brom. Then if I move across the aisle to Sister Tanisha, she'll see Sister Tanisha. And then if I uh, turn it to myself, I'll see myself, right? Now, just because I got an image of Brother Brom in that mirror, then when I turn it around, is it still him? No, it's reflecting what it's facing. So I can't, I can't walk into church on a Sunday morning, get my experience, come down to an altar, shed a few tears, throw my hands in the air, and then walk out and pretend that I'm the same person when I'm facing a different direction. I can't reflect Jesus Christ if I'm not facing Jesus Christ. If I'm acting like him here, and then I go out and I act like the world, I'm not going to have that reflection. I'm not going to have that exposure to him because I'm facing the wrong direction. My life isn't aligned with Christ, so I can't reflect Christ. I don't have that ability to produce that light on my own. And neither do you. Sorry, it's just the truth. None of us have the light of Christ on our own. None of us can do that without him. 
None of us can do that without his spirit living inside of us. We can't live or operate with the fruit of the spirit if we don't have the spirit. Pretty profound, I know. It's, it's getting deep. It's getting very deep. Stay with me, uh, and, and we'll get there, right? It's not rocket science. It's really not. If we're not aligned with Jesus Christ, then we're not going to be able to reflect Jesus Christ. And so we've got to understand, this is what Paul meant when he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, be ye followers of me as I am also of Christ. If you're just following me to follow me, we're not going to get anywhere. But if you're following me to, because I'm following Christ, that's how he's able to lead. That's what he's telling them. He's not saying follow me because I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's not saying follow me because I am the great Paul. He's not saying follow me because I've written all these letters. That's not what he's saying. He's saying follow me as I also follow Christ. And pastors said it before, and we know and we understand that if we stop following Jesus Christ, then we need to stop following that person. We need to stop following the one that's leading us away from him. But as long as our leadership is lined up with Jesus Christ, we continue to follow him because he's putting us in the right direction. As long as we are being a positive example and being a light to the world. Now, when we can't emit the light, how do we do that? We have to reflect the light. So I can't say that I'm out here being the light of the world if I'm not reflecting Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So when we say that we're out here trying to be a witness and trying to teach and trying to preach and share the gospel and do all of these things, we've got to be sure that it's more than just our words, but that our lifestyle, our heart, our actions are backing up what we're professing. We've got to be reflecting Jesus Christ. So simply put, the closer we get to God, the more we are able to reflect him. On the flip side of that, the more junk that is in between, the harder it will be to reflect him. So we've got to get the junk out of the way so that we can do what we're called to do. What does that look like? What does that look like? Just an example. So God is in this corner if you haven't gotten it yet. God is over here. Uh, he just happened to be there. He told me that that's where he'll be today. And so God's over there. We just got to use our imagination. So God's over here, and I've got to reflect him, right? Now, if I take a little stroll and I get over here, I'm kind of far away, but the, realistically, there's not that much between us, right? So I can still do a, a, a decent job, a decent job of reflecting, but if I go all the way to the back corner, and I'm not going to make you follow me or hurt your neck or anything like that. If I go all the way to the back corner, duck down behind the wall, hide behind a door, go down the classroom, back down a hallway, am I going to be able to reflect Jesus Christ? No, why not? Because I'm not aligned with him. There's too much junk between me and him. There's too much stuff in the way. And so we get sidetracked from time to time in our walk with God. And I'm not saying that that makes us bad. That just makes us human. But we've got to recognize it and realize it and make sure that I'm still able to get back to Jesus Christ, that I'm still able to line myself up with him so that I'm still able to shed aside all of the other things that are in the way. And life can fill this void with a lot of things. A lot of stuff, a lot of junk. Some of it downright carnal shouldn't be there in the first place. Some of it just life and circumstances and distraction and fatigue and things like that that'll get us to a point where we're just allowing things to push us slightly a little further away. 
my, my, my attention kind of drifts, my, my uh, sight lines get a little off, and you know, I, I just start kind of walking and doing my own thing. And then before I know it, I'm no longer facing the light. And so what, as a, as a natural reaction, my light dims. Now, I'm not saying every time we have a bad day, it's because we're not right with Jesus Christ, but it's something to think about. If we're having a very difficult time showing forth the fruit of the Spirit, we need to make sure that we're aligned right. And that'll help. I'm not here to say that if you have a bad day, you're going to hell. That's, that's not what I'm saying because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm very real enough to know that life happens and stuff happens. But we also should be real enough to know that no matter what is going on, he's still God. He still sits on his throne. He still has all power in heaven and earth. He's still able to work through you. He's still able to continually fill you with his spirit. He's still able to put you where you need to be to do what he's called you to do. His calling on your life doesn't change because you had a bad day at work. His calling on your life doesn't change because somebody ran the stop sign and cut you off. His calling doesn't change because life kind of stressed you out a little bit. Amen? So we've got to make sure that we're still able to realize that we've got the just between me and you thing worked out. We've got to make sure that we're able to realize that that's the most important part of the whole equation. So this example just kind of popped in my head as I was talking on Wednesday, and I did a pretty horrible job, if I'm honest, a pretty horrible job of explaining it, but never fear, Google to the rescue. Um, so this is, uh, I didn't even know what to call it then, but now I know because I Googled it. Archimedes' principle of displacement. Is anybody on the same page with me so far? Archimedes' principle of displacement. If the body is completely submerged, the volume of fluid displaced is equal to the volume of the body. If the body is only partially submerged, the volume of the fluid displaced is equal to the volume of the part of the body that is submerged. Uh, I should have copyrighted that because Archimedes stole it from me. I came up with it first. Um, but what does that mean? What does that mean? In uh, English translation, for those of us who didn't master science and stuff, uh, if you try and put something where something else already is, it's not going to fit unless something else moves. That works, right? So if you've got a cup that's full to the brim and you drop an ice cube in, bloop, equal to the amount of the ice cube. So how does this work in our spiritual lives? The exact same way. You see, I've got, until I reach heaven and make heaven my home, there's going to be somewhat of a void between me and Christ because I've still got something that's between us, right? I'm still on this earth. I'm not in heaven eternally yet. So there's still going to be something. Now, what is that void? What is this space filled with? If it's filled with the word, if it's filled with uh, worship and praise, if it's filled with devotion, if it's filled with prayer, if it's filled with times and the things of God, then that's getting me all the closer to Jesus Christ. But as it gets filled with more junk, more distraction, more addiction, more confusion, more uh, things that get between us, carnality, flesh, 
lusts, desires that shouldn't be there, things that we're succumbing to, temptations that we shouldn't be yielding to, things that are coming into our life that are just as we happen and as we, we get invested in this, in, in this job, we get invested in, in this new hobby, we get invested in these things, and, and we're just going about and nothing's drastically changing, nothing's just tremendously different, nothing's noticeably wrong, and we're just going, kind of going about our life and just as casually as it is today, I'm just, you know, well, the things are a little bit different now, but you know, we're still working. We're trying. We're pushing. We're, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a struggle, but over the course of the last minute and a half, I've drifted how far from Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because I've let that void be filled with other things. It's a foolish thing to think that I can let all these things get between me and Christ and still stay right here. It's not possible. I can't stay here in this void, be just filled to overflowing. That's not how it works. The more things that I put here between me and God, naturally I have to step away. And so I put something else there. And so I have to take another step away. And I put something else there, and I have to take another step away. And what is that doing the entire time? It's affecting my relationship with God, and it's also affecting my witness because I'm not able to emit or show the light that I'm supposed to be reflecting because I'm getting further away, and there's too many things in the way. That's how shadows work, right? If we look down these walls, anybody notice you're going to uh, hate me for this, but if you look down these walls, you can see a four-tier shadow structure that goes down. That's because there's four rows of lights, and they hit the soffit, and it hits at different angles. And so now, yeah, you'll see it every time. Every time you'll see it. But there's four rows of shadows on this wall, and that's because there's something in the way of the light hitting directly to the wall. So this is kind of a childish example. Well, maybe it is childish example, but it's something that we need to be reminded of and that we need to hear because we get all our, our, our suits on, we get dressed nice, we get our, our attitude that we're an adult and we've got everything figured out and just, you know, we've got this life because we've done it for so long and we feel like we don't need this anymore. But by nature, I can't let something get between me and my source of light and still expect nothing to change. It's not going to happen. So I've got to be able to realize and recognize and say the, the just between me and you, God, the just between me and you, I've got to focus on that. I've got to get that right. I've got to get those distractions out of the way to where if I'm here and I want to be over there, I've got to step towards him. And that step towards him can happen. Uh, one of, well, one of two things can happen. I determine that I'm going to take a step towards him, right? And that might mean that I have to pick something up and move it out of the way. Or that might mean that just by nature of drawing closer to Jesus Christ, I'm stepping in so something else has to be displaced. That's why we see people grow at rapid rates sometimes when they come into the house of God and they get an experience with Jesus Christ and they start stepping closer and closer to him. And we think, my God, what a change. How did so many things happen so fast? How was deliverance? That, uh, how did deliverance? How did forgiveness? How did all these things just, just happen so quickly? It's because the displacement theory. The closer they get to him, some of the things that were in between just naturally have to drift away. And so sometimes 
It's just as easy as determining and saying in your mind, I'm going to get closer to Jesus Christ and acting on it. And say, I don't care what else comes up. I don't care what else happens, but I'm going to walk closer to Jesus Christ. I'm going to focus. I'm going to do better. I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to take, if we're not doing anything, I'm going to take 10 minutes a day and I'm going to pray to Jesus. I'm going to take 10 minutes a day and I'm going to read the word of God. If we're already doing 10 minutes today, I'm going to do 20. I'm going to take 20 minutes. I'm going to take whatever it is, whatever your time allotment is, whatever your idea is. It, it, it's not about the time allotment at this point. It's, that's not what it's about, but it's more about focusing on walking and drawing closer to Jesus Christ because the closer I get with him, stuff's got to get out of the way. That's how we break addiction. That's how we break bondage. That's how we break depression. That's how we break down the things that are coming between us. That's how we step over the stumbling blocks of the things in our life is that we just determine and say, I'm going to get closer to Jesus Christ. And the more I do it by nature, things have to move. You say, oh, but I'm not strong enough to get over this hurdle by myself. You don't have to be because nature is still real. You don't have to be strong enough to do it on your own. You get closer to God and it doesn't have a choice but to be pushed out of your life. Those relationships, the things that, that we don't need to be consuming ourselves with or, or we don't need to be giving our time to. The more time that I give to Jesus Christ by nature, I don't have as much time to give to the things I shouldn't be giving to. That's what it looks like in our spiritual walk. So nobody's confused when you drop an ice cube in, in the water cup and we see it go out, but then somebody comes and takes a step closer to Jesus and we're like, wow, what a change. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. And we need to stop mystifying it. Is it still a miracle? 100%. Every time somebody repents of their sins, that's a miracle. Every time somebody goes down in a watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, that's a miracle. Every time somebody's filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, that's a miracle. But we don't need to think of it as unobtainable. We need to think of it as expected because that's just what happens. That's a natural progression. We need to adjust our mindset to a point that says we walk into this church and we expect to see chains fall. We expect to see depression broken. We expect to see lives change. We expect to see miracles happen because that's who Jesus Christ is and that's what he's capable of. And as people draw closer to him and take steps towards him, things naturally have to fall aside and get out of the way. So if we're struggling tonight, Maybe you don't have a name for it. Maybe you do have a name for it and you just don't have the strength to do it on your own. Maybe you don't know exactly what it's going to take to get over the next hurdle, to get over the next step. Simply determination. You say, oh, you're making it too easy. You're oversimplifying this. You don't know how long I've dealt with it. You don't know how long. Truthfully, I don't care how long you've dealt with it. There's still power in the name of Jesus, right? There's still power in the name of Jesus. And there's still a natural phenomena that occurs when we take a step closer to him because something else naturally becomes displaced. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Leave that verse there for a minute. I read it about three times 
Because I was like, the end gets a little confusing. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know, even as also I am known. What does that mean? What does that mean? Say it in today English, which probably very far from English, but say it in today's English. Then I shall know, even as also I am known. When I get everything else, all the junk out of the way, when I get all of the distraction out of the way, when I get all of the obstacles out of the way, I'm looking in a mirror and I'm looking in this glass darkly, but soon we shall see it face to face. So the mirror that's at the very back, there's not a mirror back there. The mirror that's at the very back of the room I can, from here, I, it's kind of dark and there, there's too many things between it. And I, I, I see these people and I, I, I can't really see how Jesus Christ sees me. So I shut myself off from the things that he's calling me to because I don't see what he sees. So that's because why? The Bible says that that idea, that concept, that mindset, that's childish thinking. But it says, now we see through the glass darkly, but soon we shall see face to face. And what does that mean? That means I got to get past distraction. I got to get past relationship. I got to get past things that are holding me back. I got to get as close as I can to that mirror, to that glass, so that I can see the reflection unobstructed, so that I can see the reflection without darkness, without anything else in the way, so that I can see myself, ready, how Jesus Christ sees me, how Jesus Christ sees me, because it's not about who I am or who I think I am or what my circumstances tell me I am. It's about who Jesus Christ sees. And he says that I see a miracle. I see a change. I see a life that I can use. I see somebody that I can call to a greater purpose, to another level, to another ministry, to another way, to another person to reach. And he says that I see all these things, but because we're so far away, our vision is clouded. We just see darkly or dimly and it's disfigured and marred because we don't see what Jesus sees because we're too far away. Amen? Amen. So we're aligning ourselves with him. But in order to do that, what do we have to do? It's that easy. Just between me and you. We've got to take some time and focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that mean we don't be a witness anymore? No. Does that mean that we stop trying to reach out? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we stop trying to lead our family and just do our own thing? No. But the more that I focus on this relationship, the easier all of that other stuff becomes. The closer I am to the Son of God, to the light, to the sun, the more I'm able to reflect it by nature. That's why when the moon gets closer to the sun, we see the light more because there's less obstacle between it. And so the... the, the I don't say old timers, but I don't want to be offensive. The, the old timers, the other generations had it right when they said things like, it's easy to live for God hard, but it's hard to live for God easy. What does that mean? That means when I try and be the boundary Christian, the one that just kind of walks on this side and says, you know what? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know who Jesus is. Yeah. I do that church thing. I go there a couple times. I do some stuff and uh, yeah. But then somebody asks us a question about our faith or asks us a question about the word of God and we start to get confused and we start to, to struggle and we start to not understand or we start to be challenged and pushed away because why? Because there's so much stuff between us because we're just trying to do the easy thing. We're trying to just, you know, I want to I have all of my stuff, all of my stuff, and I want to have God too, but I've got too much of my stuff in the way that it's pushing me away from him. 
So when I say that it's easy to live for God hard, that means that when my determination and my mindset is that nothing is going to stop me from getting closer to Jesus Christ, nothing is going to stop me from making sure that this relationship is right, what just happened? Displacement. Some of that junk just has to get out of the way. Some of those things have to move. And again, some of that's got to be our conscious decision and mindset to say, I got to move this rock. I got to get that thing out of the way. I got to cut off this relationship that's negatively affecting my walk with Christ. I got to get rid of some of these uh, sidetracks. I got to get rid of some of these time wasters. I've got to get rid of some of these addictions. And I got to set those aside. And I got to get closer to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, Our light is shining even brighter because why? There's less in between us and him. We're doing the things that he has called us to do. And so we look at that mirror now. We look at that glass and we see as also we are seen. Or we know ourselves as Jesus Christ knows us. In other words, the best version of ourselves, the best me that I can be, the best you that you can be is when you're close to Jesus Christ and there's nothing between. Amen? Show of hands, how many have tried to work out a situation on your own and left God out of the equation? I have. Now, show of hands, how many have let God try and work out the situation? And it works every time better when we put it in Jesus Christ's hands. Why is that? It's because we got the junk out of the way between us and him and just let him do his thing, do his God thing, do his son thing, and then just reflect off of me. Get all the junk out of the way. Get me as close to Jesus Christ as I can get, and I don't need all of the other stuff because he's going to let his light shine through me, and I'm going to become the best version of myself that I can. It's as easy as that. That means that habits, hurts, hang-ups, thank you all to recovery, addictions, distractions, confusions, all of the things that come between us and God, we can determine that we are going to get closer to him and naturally some of those things are going to have to change. They're going to have to fade away. Things will be displaced when we focus on Jesus Christ and make it just between me and you. As you stated before, the closer we are to God, the more we're able to reflect him. And so when we focus on our relationship with God, everything else begins to fall into line. Part of what helps us with that is the intentionality of that decision. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forth Unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark. I press, I push, I put effort into it towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're forgetting the things which are behind and pressing forward intentionally, intentionally, intent on purpose, doing it because it's what we should do. It's because it's the right thing to do, because it's what's going to help me, because it's what's going to change me. Amen? The intentionality of it. It's like what Pastor was preaching about this morning about about that God vision. It's a whole lot easier to get a God vision if there isn't a whole bunch of junk in the way. And we're doing these 21 days of connection, and it's not an accident that as we set aside fleshly desires, we are getting closer to Him. He begins to uncover more and more in our lives and show us how we can change, show us what we can fix, show us how we can get closer to him. 
Because why? Because we're getting some of the junk out of the way that's between me and him. Now, maybe some of that junk between me and him is a a burrito. Maybe some of that junk between me and him is some media, some things that I've been consuming my life with and letting fill my heart and fill my mind. And so it's just naturally pushing me away from him. Whatever it is that I've got to set aside, whatever it is that I've got to set aside so that I can get closer to Jesus Christ, that's what this calendar is all about. That's what this is all about. You don't find this in scripture. This isn't laid out in Deuteronomy where the 21 days of connection are. You're not going to find scripture in verse for this. But what is this about? Why are there different ways? Why are there different ideas? Why are there different fasts? Why are there different things that we set aside for this day, for not that day, for whatever? Because we're trying. We're tasting and seeing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What works for you? What puts you in the best position to hear from God the way you need to hear from God? What gets you set up and ready to be in connection with him, to get distraction out of the way, to get the sidetracked out of the way, to get everything that, that separates us from him out of the way? What is it for you? If that's a full day fast, then do the full day fast, even if it says Daniel's fast. I promise you, Brother Cox is not going to get mad if you do a full day fast. The 21 days of connection, let's, let's get the, the idea of it, just that, that it's just this thing that we do, or, or, or what's the point? The point is to get us as close to Jesus Christ as we can possibly be. Is it fun? No, not always. Do we enjoy it? No, because I do like that burrito, right? But as silly as that sounds, if I'm letting that get in between me and Jesus Christ, how valuable then is that burrito? Even if it's really big and really good, full of chicken and queso and beans and rice. Oh, in Jesus' name. Maybe some jalapenos. doesn't matter it doesn't matter the value starts to decrease whatever it is and and i'm i'm choosing the burrito because i choose to be lighthearted right now if we want to step on toes we can step on toes but i don't feel like that that's the road to take right now but please take the analogy with you and let it minister where it needs to minister okay i'm not going to start calling stuff out i'm not going to start saying stuff But whatever it is that's between you and Jesus Christ, and you know better than anyone else could possibly know, whatever it is that's between you and Jesus Christ, that's what we need to begin to sacrifice, to set aside, to get rid of so that we can get closer to him. Amen. Let's stand. We're setting aside fleshly desires so that we can be closer to Jesus Christ. I said it before, I'll say it again. He begins to uncover more and more in our lives. He begins to show us some things. And those things just get exposed because why? Because there's less between us and him. So the exposure is beginning to come forth. Now, when I was saying that we get closer to the mirror and we see ourselves the way God sees us, the temptation is that we just take that only the positive way, right? Like, oh, Jesus sees a great man of God, so that's what I got to see when I look in the mirror. Maybe that's the end game, but maybe that's not where I really am. So maybe this time of of, of fasting, this time of of sacrifice is really uncovering and showing some things that got to change first. 
Because newsflash, Jesus Christ sees you and knows you just as you are. Good and the bad. He knows what you can become and he knows what plans he has for you. But he sees us right now. We take a lot of encouragement from that. And I don't want to change anybody's mindset on on taking uh, encouragement from knowing that Jesus Christ sees me and knows me just as I am. Amen? There's power to that. Because he can do the things that we need. He supplies our needs before we can even ask or, or even think. Right? He's able to perform above what we're able to ask or even think. He knows uh, what we have need of before we ask. So take heart in knowing that he sees you, but also take realization in knowing that if there's some junk in the way, if there's some stuff that needs to be scratched off the surface, if there's an altar that needs to be found, this is also the time that those things are uncovered. Because why? Because he wants us to be miserable and he wants us to feel bad and he wants us to feel guilty. No. Because he wants us to be the absolute best version of ourselves that we can be. And we already said, where is the best version of ourselves that we can be? When we're aligned with Jesus Christ, as close as we can possibly get. So in just a moment, I'm going to open these altars. And I know that I haven't just uh, laid forth just this magnificent masterpiece of a sermon. Really, at the end of the day, it's common sense, natural things. And maybe I'm the only one that need to hear it. Or maybe there's some other people that need to hear it too. But what I'm going to ask is just simply that we make up in our minds that for the next few minutes, for the next few minutes, we're just going to get as close to Jesus Christ as we can. Whatever that means to you. I can't say one or two or three or ten things because there's more people than that in here, which means that there's more situations and more things that needed to be dealt with. Than that, And I don't want anybody to think that this doesn't apply because the exact thing I said didn't, come, uh, didn't line up with what you're dealing with. But wherever you are, wherever you are, and I say this knowing that even Sister Lear is in the building, wherever you are, you can get closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that she's like right there. She's probably holding hands with him on a day-in and day-out basis. But I think that until we make heaven our home, we can get just a little bit closer, right? And so nobody's excluded from this call. Nobody's excluded from this challenge. She's going to begin to play and sing, and I just want us to make our way to the front. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.